Okay, good morning everyone and welcome to the San Francisco Planning Commission and Recreation and Park Commission special joint hearing for Thursday, December 14th, 2023. To enable public participation, SFGovTV is only streaming this hearing live today and we will receive public comment for discussion and action items on today's agenda. Each speaker will be allowed up to three minutes and when you have 30 seconds remaining, you will hear a chime indicating your time is almost up. When your allotted time is reached, I will announce that your time is up and take the next person queued to speak. We will take public comment from persons in City Hall first and then open up the remote access lines. For those persons calling in to submit their testimony, you need to call area code 415-655-0001 and enter access code 2664-859-8352 and then press pound twice. To comment, you need to press star three to raise your hand, and once you've raised your hand, you'll hear a prompt indicating or stating that you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When you hear that you are unmuted, that is your indication to begin speaking. For those joining via WebEx, you may log in via the link found on today's agenda and enter password CPC2023 and use the raised hand icon to raise your hand. Best practices are to call from a quiet location and please mute the volume on your television or computer. For those attending in person, we ask that you line up on the screen side of the room or to your right. Please speak clearly and slowly, and if you care to, state your name for the record. Finally, I'll ask that we all silence any mobile devices that may sound off during these proceedings. And at this time, I'll take roll uh, for the Planning Commission. Commission President Tanner. Here. Commission Vice President Moore. Here. Commissioner Braun. Here. Commissioner Diamond. Here. Commissioner Imperial. Here. Commissioner Koppel. Here. And Commissioner Ruiz. Here. Okay, and I'll take roll for the Recreation and Park Commission. Commissioner Anderson. Here. Commissioner Halsey. Here. Commissioner Jupiter Jones. Here. Commissioner Louie. Here. Commissioner Wintraub. Here. And Commissioner Mazzola and Commissioner Zwart have excused absences. Thank you. Commissioners, uh, on your special calendar today, um, and for the benefit of the public, please note that the Planning Commission and Recreation and Park Commission will hold one joint public hearing for the public to provide testimony on all items listed below. Following the public hearing, the Recreation and Park Commission will act jointly with the Planning Commission to consider raising the absolute cumulative shadow limit for Maritime Plaza, and the Recreation and Park Commission will consider making a recommendation to the Planning Commission regarding the possible adverse impact of shadow on Maritime Plaza. Following action on those items, the Recreation and Park Commission will adjourn, and the Planning Commission will remain in session and consider action on all other items. Um, items 1A and B for case numbers 2020-001410-SHD at 545 Sansom Street, discussion and possible joint action by the Planning Commission and Recreation and Park Commission to raise the absolute cumulative limit for Maritime Plaza, uh, adoption of a resolution, um, and then items 2A, B, and C for case numbers 2020-001410-SHD, DNX, and COFA at 545 Sansom Street, adoption of shadow findings, downtown project authorization, and office development allocation respectively. Um, uh, good morning and happy holidays, commissioners. Uh, Commission President Tanner, Commission President Anderson, and all uh, planning and rec and park commissioners, Claire Feeney, planning department staff. Uh, the item before you 
uh, is a downtown project authorization, office allocation, shadow resolution, and shadow findings for the proposed office development at 545 Sansom Street. Myself, Chris Towns of Rec Park staff, and the project sponsor will present on all items at once, and will be available for questions as each item is discussed. The project proposes to demolish the one-story commercial building at the corner, it's 501 to 505 Washington Street, and to renovate the existing nine-story historic building at 545 Sansom Street and expand it by six floors to create a single building that is 127,602 127, gross square feet and 217 feet in height. The addition will add 49,999 gross square feet of general office use to the existing office space and will expand the ground floor retail from about 3,400 square feet to about 6,400 square feet. Uh, the project includes four showers, 24 lockers, 22 class one and six class two bike parking spaces. And the project will also create a new approximately 1,200 square foot privately owned public open space, POPOs, uh, that will connect to the existing Transamerica Redwood Park POPOs, as well as a new about 1,800 square foot private open space. Uh, the project requires a height exemption under planning code sections 309 and 263.9 because the proposed design is in the 200S height and bulk district, but is 217 feet tall, not including rooftop mechanical equipment. The proposed design is within the permissible exception limits, and the exception is necessary to allow for the roof level interior amenity space for building tenants. The project requires a POPOS, the privately owned public open space, under planning code section 138. The proposed about 1,250 square foot POPOS exceeds the minimum requirement of 1,000 square feet. Uh, it will be immediately adjacent to the existing Transamerica Redwood Park POPOS and to the new private open space which will also connect to the planned pedestrian area on Mark Twain Alley, which is under a separate permit, 2023-005496 GPR is that record number. Uh, there will be no fences between the spaces, uh, full public access, and a feeling of one large cohesive public park. Uh, 545 Sansom was determined to be eligible under the California Register of Historical Resources. The project has been carefully designed and reviewed by preservation staff to appropriately incorporate the building and comply with the Secretary of the Interior's standards for the treatment of historic properties. There was also previously a legacy business sized Vietnamese restaurant at 503505 Washington Street, the uh, commercial building that's proposed for demolition. Uh, the C3 zoning district doesn't have any specific regulations around legacy businesses, but the project sponsor offered assistance and financial support to help size move to a new location on Columbus Street, and they are currently open and operating. Uh, the project sponsor conducted community outreach with neighborhood stakeholders, including local organizations and community groups, and to date the department has received no letters in support nor opposition of the project. In order for the project to proceed, uh, a number of decisions are required by the Planning and Rec and Park Commissions today. The first item is before both Planning and the Recreation and Parks Commissions and is an adoption of a joint resolution to raise the absolute cumulative shadow limit, ACL, on Maritime Plaza pursuant to Section 295 in the 1989 memorandum titled Proposition K, the Sunlight Ordinance. The second item is a resolution for only the Recreation and Parks Commission to adopt a resolution <coughs> recommending to the Planning Commission 
regarding whether or not the net new shadow cast by the proposed project at 545 Sansom Street <laughs> will have a significant adverse impact on the use of Maritime Plaza. The rest of the items are for Planning Commission consideration only. The third item is to consider an adoption of shadow findings pursuant to Section 295 that the new shadow cast by the project will not be adverse to the use of Maritime Plaza, a property under the jurisdiction of the Recreation and Parks Department. The fourth is a downtown project authorization per Planning Code Section 210.2 and 309 to allow a vertical addition to an existing building resulting in a total building height greater than 120 feet within the C3O zoning district with an exception for height limits within the S bulk district under planning code section 263.9. And the fifth and final item for consideration is an office allocation pursuant to planning code sections 320 through 325 to authorize up to 49,999 gross square feet of general office use. Um, overall, the department finds that the project is on balance consistent with the downtown plan and the objectives and policies of the general plan. The project will develop an underutilized portion of the property with a contemporary mid-sized tower that is compatible with the existing building at 545 Sansom in form and fenestration and will create a transition between the financial district and Jackson Square due to its massing. The design of the project integrates the existing historical building at 545 Sansom Street with the new addition while also differentiating the two. The additional height at the upper tower will allow uh, the addition to be differentiated to the historic office building by allowing for additional setbacks and double height floors. The project site is located directly to the east of the Transamerica Pyramid Building and Transamerica Redwood Park. The entire block is under ownership by the same developer and the street level of the whole site has been envisioned as a continuous open space for public use. The project is located at the edge of the downtown core, which does not feature many ground level publicly accessible open spaces, particularly ones with an extensive amount of greenery. The project will provide opportunities for the public to enjoy plazas and open spaces in a setting that is unique to San Francisco. The department also finds the project to be necessary, desirable, and compatible with the surrounding neighborhood and not to be detrimental to persons or adjacent properties in the vicinity. This concludes planning staff's presentation, and I will hand it off to Chris Towns of Recreation and Park staff, and then the project sponsors, and we'll all be here and ready to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Thank you, Claire, and good morning, commissioners. Uh, just give me just a moment just to load my presentation. Okay, and if I can get the uh, PowerPoint, please. Thank you. Uh, thank you and good morning. My name is Chris Towns. I'm a planner with the Recreation and Park Department, Capital and Planning Division. Um, my portion of the presentation will focus on the shadow analysis uh, associated with the project's uh, shadow upon Maritime Plaza. So for shared policy and code context, um, as Claire mentioned, Prop K, or the Sunlight Ordinance, um, aimed at protecting uh, park properties from the negative shadow impacts of new development. Um, it was approved by voters in 1984, uh, which subsequently led to the adoption of Planning Code Section 295, uh, which prohibits the city from issuing a building permit for structures over the, uh, 40 feet in height um, that would cast a shadow upon a rec park property, um, unless the Planning Commission, in consultation with the Rec and Park Commission, finds that the shadow would not pose a significant adverse impact upon the use of the park property. 
1989, the commissions jointly adopted what's commonly referred to as the, the 1989 memo. Um, this memo established quantitative as well as qualitative criteria uh, for determinations of significant shadows. Um, quantitatively, the memo established guidance for shadow uh, load increases dependent upon a park's existing shadow load and its, its park size. Um, the memo also interestingly adopted uh, ACLs or absolute cumulative limits um, for 13 specific parks, uh, predominantly within the downtown financial district, uh, which were sort of inherently prone to higher shadow loads given the uh, high rise massing around the area. Um, qualitatively, the memo established various qualitative criteria, including time of day that the shadow was occurring, time of year, uh, the shadow's location upon the park, shadow size, um, shadow duration, and the public good served by the project casting the shadow. Um, so for brief uh, project overview, I'll just show really just for visual since Claire already covered the project scope. Um, but here you can see the proposed project rendering in context within the city landscape. Uh, the project is denoted by the red arrow. And then the image on the bottom left is the proposed site plan. And as Claire mentioned, the, uh, the popos associated with this project is um, along the interior block edge, directly abutting the Transamerica Redwood Park, also a purpose. So for orientation purposes, uh, the image on the top left uh, provides a planned view of where the project site is located in relation to the shadowed park, Maritime Plaza. Um, as you can see, the pro uh, project site is one block west of Maritime Plaza along Washington Street. Uh, the project is zoned uh, C3O, or downtown office, and properties within the vicinity uh, are very diverse, ranging from government buildings, uh, there's a fire station, office, hotel, residential and commercial office buildings. Um, also a variety of building types, you know, everything from one story to mid-rise, high-rise buildings. And those are depicted in the photos on the right. <laughs> So Maritime Plaza itself um, is a just under two acre sized park under the jurisdiction of Reckon Park. Um, it's a one story above the street level and consists of two halves that sort of mirror each other, uh, bounded by Washington Street to the north. Um, the landscape plaza surrounds the Alcoa building, also known as One Maritime Plaza, and is connected by pedestrian bridges uh, to the Golden Gateway condominium towers to the north and the Embarcadero Center to the south. Uh, Maritime Plaza is both paved and landscaped uh, with lawn and pathways open to the public <clears throat> and includes a variety of passive open spaces, including landscaping, seating areas, and uh, fountains and sculptural gardens. So quantitatively, um, there is currently a 67.88% existing shadow load upon the park. Uh, the proposed project would add a fractional 0.0345% shadow increase for a total of 67.91%. Um, qualitatively, in terms of time of year and time of day, uh, the project shadows occur mid-March to mid-May, and then again from mid-July to late September in the spring and summer. Um, occurring only in the late afternoons after 4.30 p.m. 
The average daily duration of shadow when present is about 48 and a half minutes, uh, with the average size of about 1.27% of the park area. Um, with regard to shadow location, um, the new shadow only falls across the western half of Maritime Plaza, not the eastern half. Um, in the midsection, that includes the central lawn and grassy expanse uh, directly in front of the one Maritime Plaza office building entrance. Um, the image on the bottom right uh, depicts the lawn area that is the maximum net new shadow day of the project where the shadow would fall. The maximum net new shadow day is on August 30th and, uh, as well as April 12th at 6.15 p.m. Um, again, in the same area depicted in the photo. So in closing, um, I just uh, wanna reiterate that the agenda items before the commission are twofold. Um, item 1A uh, involves discussion and possible action by the joint commissions uh, to raise the ACL for Maritime Plaza. Uh, whereas item 1B is uh, specific to Rec and Park Commission uh, to determine whether or not the proposed project shadow would pose a significant adverse impact on the use of the park property. Um, the 1989 memo again provides qualitative as well as quantitative criteria to inform your decision. Um, quantitatively again, the project would increase the shadow load by 0.0345%. And qualitatively, the criteria to consider include all those uh, qualitative aspects, uh, time of day, time of year, uh, shadow size, shadow duration, and interestingly, the public good served by the project is also a, a factor to consider. Um, that concludes my portion of the presentation and I'm available for questions. Thank you. Great, thank you. Just say, add one one bit of um, clarification uh, for the for both commissions. Actually, I mean, there, there are two items here. One is required, which would be to raise the the existing shadow budget for this to go forward. <clears throat> if if you make that decision, then the analysis belongs to the Recreation and Park Commission, and it's does this shadow have a significant impact on the park? I would just want to remind the commission, and we have some new commissioners, that even if the answer is yes, our responsibility is simply to advise the planning commission of that. And then it is the planning commission's responsibility to, to weigh the pros and cons of the project, knowing that the Rec and Park Commission thinks that there's a, you know, that the shadow, uh, the extra shadow has a significant impact. The Rec and Park Commission does not stop projects simply by, because of a finding that, um, uh, a shadow causes, uh, might have a significant impact on a park. So I just wanted to make sure that we all understand that. Yeah, so, so with, we're on that topic, I was gonna wait until after the project sponsor's presentation, but uh, planning commissioners, I would, I would deliberate the shadow impact and analysis first, and then wait and reserve your deliberation after the Rec and Park Commission adjourns on the project entitlements themselves. With that, we should hear from the project sponsor. You have 10 minutes. <coughs> Good morning. <clears throat> My name is Michael Schwell. I'm the custodian of the Transamerica Pyramid, Transamerica Pyramid Center. In 2019, at the end of uh, the year, and I'm going to keep it short because you really want to hear from the people that talk about the project, not from me. But when I, um, you know, when, when we, we purchased the, um, the building, I told my staff that while we are the owners of this amazing icon, 
we're truly a custodian of the building. The building belongs to the people of San Francisco. Today's a really special day, beside the fact that we're here. When I set to buy the building, and when we, we the, the idea was really to bring people to that block. So those of you who are, you know, who live here, I live in New York, um, and maybe I have that advantage of living in New York because I see how beautiful this is and not confused with all different people's opinion about, you know, trying to tell me that San Francisco is in a doom loop, um, which I disagree with, obviously, and I have a billion dollars invested that that's not the case. <laughs> we, we set, I, I set to create something that I thought was really important, to make, to make the Transamerica Pyramid a place where people come to. So everybody takes a picture of it, right? It's probably the most photographed um, building on the West Coast, together with the Golden Gate Bridge and the, um, and the cable cars, but people never come there, which I thought was quite odd. And the reason that people don't come there is because it's not really welcoming. Um, today was a big day for us because we actually completed the lobby of the Transamerica Pyramid. And for those of you who haven't seen it, I welcome you to come see. It's not open yet, but we're happy to take everybody in there. And we created something amazing. We created this translucency that now connects every side of that block. And my goal was that wherever you are around that block, you see through it. It welcomes people. We're bringing restaurants, cafes, art program all to that block. And obviously, 3 Transamerica, um, which as we call it, 545 Samson, is the, is the last piece that we, we are, we're proposing to do, truly in order to complete, to complete the block and make it attractive for people to come there. Um, you'll hear from, from Foster and Company. Um, I think they've done a phenomenal job um, on, on really creating this as, as a building that, that works with the site. Because it really was important for us that we create something that doesn't overshadow the Transamerica Pyramid, but something that, that, that connects the three buildings in the park together. Um, and I'll finish with one quick story, and I don't know if some of you might have seen or not seen it, but I have a 40-year history with the Transamerica Pyramid. I came to this country many years ago. The first time I was at the Pyramid was in 1979 as a kid. I grew up in Israel. My parents were teachers in Stanford and Yale for a couple of years, and we came to the Pyramid. And when we celebrated the 50-year anniversary, I found a drawing. I don't know if, if any of you saw that. I'm going to show you a drawing. From 1981, how I drew myself next to the pyramid. <laughs> now, 40 years ago, and 40 years later, I purchased the building. Um, and the building for me symbolized a lot of things, but, but predominantly what I thought was the American dream. It was the one thing from, and I lived in New York, and I lived on the West Coast, that to me was the American dream. It symbolizes the hope. It symbolizes what, for me, America stood for, which is this kind of amazing, amazing structure that is futuristic. You know, it was at the time five years old or seven years old, the building. The building was ahead of its time in 1972. And our goal is to make sure that that building stays ahead of its time today and for the next 50 years. So with that, I'd like to have the Foster team uh, present the building. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. share the presentation. Hello, everyone. I'm Simone Martin. I'm partner from Boston Partners here in the San Francisco. If you can office. use the microphone, that's going to be a high, I know it's a little challenging, but you have to speak right into the microphone for us to hear you. <laughs> OK. Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Perfect. 
Hello, everyone. I'm Simone Martin. I'm a, a partner at Foster and Partners here in San Francisco office. I would like to give you a bit more insight on our thought process while designing 545 Sansom 3 Transamerica. I want to start with the main goals for this project, was firstly to respect and celebrate the heritage, to activate the steel retail frontages, and to engage with the Redwood Park in the neighborhood, but to also to create a tool on the skyline and to create a new generation of office building in the post-COVID environment. We have started working on a master plan over three years ago now with um, Schwo um, for the entire city block, as Michael just mentioned. And of course, the pyramid is the feature of the block, but we also found this precious Redwood Park in the center of the city block. So the aim of the master plan was to stitch the city block together with a green and activated fabric and to um, create a new destination for the city with the Redwood Park at its heart. So the pyramid, as Mike just mentioned, construction has started, 505 Sunsum construction has started on the site and will finish early next year, but 3 Transamerica is really the missing piece. At the moment, it's consistent out of three um, parcels, 517, which is an empty lot, 505 Washington, a single store extension, and 545 Sansom, which is of historic significance. It was built even 40 years before the pyramid. As you can see here on this image from 1971, how it's standing proud in front of the construction of the pyramid. It's featuring two Art Deco facades facing Sansom Street and Mark Twain Alley, while the other two facades are of little historic significance. So the first step for us was to um, extend the building horizontally and to open up these non-historic facades to create an activated space on all four sides of the lot. Zooming in a little closer into the um, ground floor plan now, you can see the street corner has the office um, entrance lobby, while there's food and beverage and retail spilling out onto Mark Twain Alley and the Redwood Park. So today there's brick wall separating the lot from the Redwood Park. Our design has the aim to open this up, create a lively space that engages with the Redwood Park. This view is while standing in the Redwood Park, looking back at Three Transamerica, and this is how it will be when it's integrated with the new design. The opposite side here is showing Sansom Street frontages, and we're trying to breathe new life into the street frontages and also into Mark Twain Alley. Mark Twain Alley has been used as a back of house and loading space for a long time. We've managed to relocate all these back-of-house spaces to really open up the storefronts and to create a lively space, a destination for the city. I want to talk a little bit more about the, um, the vertical extension now. You can see here the, the site sits right at the border between the Financial District and the Jackson Square, which is a very much um, difference in scale of buildings. We're trying with the vertical extension to create a more optimal transition between the two districts. That extension, as Chris already mentioned, increases the shadow when including all the entitled developments only by 0.001%. 
it was very important for us to respect the historic facade, and that's why we pushed all the extensions backwards and have the <coughs> historic facade sitting proud of the, the new additions. As you can see here on that view, looking down Sansom Street towards the financial district, and then looking down towards Jackson Square, how the addition is stepping back to respect the historic facade. We found a quite distinct material palette on the site, and we're trying to pick up that palette for the new contemporary extension by, for example, expressing the concrete slab edges by using bronze um, window frames, and also echoing the grid of the Art Deco facade with the grid of um, our extension of the window frames. We've all been presented with quite some challenges over the last years in the COVID time, and so it was very important for us to take that opportunity to create a new generation of office building that allows for natural ventilation, that allows access to the outdoors on every level, and also creates these beautiful outdoor spaces for collaboration. And we think especially on the height of the top of the historic building, you get this moment of like we're in the tips of the Redwood Parks, which is a beautiful moment. And we're really looking forward to realizing this project with your support today. Thank you for getting the opportunity to present. Okay. Thank you, uh, Simone. Tara Sullivan from Ruben, Junius & Rose. Uh, good morning, President Tanner and uh, President Anderson. I wanted to just wrap up our presentation with a few items to note. First, we've been contacted about e-bike parking and charging on the site. I want to just reassure pause you, Ms. Sullivan. Do you need a minute? How much time do you need? I need about a minute, a minute 20, maybe? Okay, can we have so just two minutes on the, on the clock? Okay, thank, thank you. you. Um, we were contacted about e-bike charging um, and e-bike storage at the site. I do want to reassure the commission that uh, the project sponsor has carefully thought about the future tenants' needs and transportation patterns and that there will be e-bike charging ports and stations in the bicycle room at 545 Sansom. Any tenant will be able to utilize them without having to take their bikes upstairs to, to their office space to charge. Next, I'd like to just briefly discuss the shadow from the project. While there will be new shadow cast on Maritime Plaza, we do believe that the project benefits outweigh any impacts, some of which include the creation of new outdoor space, the new popos and the adjacent private open space will function as one and has been designed to connect with other open spaces on the block. The wall along Redwood Park will be removed and there will be a new continuous space between the two lots. This whole block park-like experience will be a unique amenity to both the building tenants and to visitors to downtown, and it will enhance and increase accessibility to the iconic Transamerica Redwood Park. Secondly, the activation of Mark Twain Alley. This project does correct several failings of the site by opening up direct connection uh, to Redwood, from Redwood Park to Mark Twain Alley. It proposes ground floor spaces that will flow directly to the alley, attracting people there, thus activating not only the immediate site, but the surrounding areas. Lastly, the rehabilitation of 545 Sansom Street, which is currently in a deteriorated condition. Previous alterations have um, obscured some of the historic detailing. The project is going to provide significant upgrades and re rehabilitate the primary facades along Sansom and Mark Twain Alley. <coughs> With that, I will conclude by saying that we respectfully request that both commissions approve the actions before you today and allow this unique project to proceed. The project team is here for questions along with Adam Noble from FastCast who can answer any specific shadow questions you may have. Thank you. Great, thank you. So with that, commissioners, again, uh, you should take up item 1A on the um, absolute cumulative limit for Maritime Plaza jointly, and then the Rec Park should um, make their consideration and adjourn, and the Planning Commission will remain in session.
Well, perhaps we'll just kick off by welcoming the Rec Park Commission um, to, I guess, your normal hearing time, I understand. It's not our normal hearing time. And we'll be meeting uh, twice today, which is an exciting last uh, day to wrap up what's been a, a great year with the Planning Commission. So just happy to be here with you all. And um, thank you, Mr. Ginsburg, for being here. Thank you, Mr. Towns, for your uh, report and to planning staff as well. Thank you, Mr. Chavot, for being here uh, in person. Uh, we have hopefully a nice sunny day for you here in San Francisco. Um, and thank you for your investment uh, in San Francisco. Very exciting. Um, I'll simply uh, just start off by saying I think that we can see the, the shadow is uh, quite small that's being added, certainly not, uh, certainly worthy of our consideration, but uh, in my opinion, it doesn't seem to reach a level of concern uh, for the users or the uses that are at Maritime Plaza. With that, I'll call on Commissioner Braun. I just wanted to check, should we be taking public comment first? Commissioner Braun, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Getting ahead of myself. If there's any member of the public that wishes to submit their testimony, this would be your opportunity to do so. Uh, again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Last call for public comment. Final, final last call for public comment. <laughs> Seeing no request to speak, Commissioner's public comment is closed, and this matter, or these matters are now before you. Thank you for that, Commissioner Braun. Are there any other comments or questions from any any commissioners? I think folks could probably go interchangeably. I, do we have everyone's name uh, queued in, uh, Mr. Ionen? Well, I see. We do, with the exception of Commissioner Moore. I figured she was close enough to nudge you. I could. <laughs> I think that's I think that's accurate. Commissioner Anderson, or President Anderson, I should say. I'll, def I'll defer to my Vice President Joe Hallisey first. In 2021, um, the 530. Sansom project uh, was passed unanimously by the Rec and Park Commission and forwarded to your commission, uh, which you also passed. Um, the effect of this shadow at 545 Sansom, as Chris said, is, is very small. It's actually less than we had at 530 Sansom. Uh, there are potentially affected parks, <coughs> our department in that area, uh, Portsmouth Square, Sue Beerman Park, Sydney G. Walton Square, and the Edwin and Anita Lee Newcomer School. And none of those show new next <coughs> shadow. Now the grassy area on the west side of the Alcoa building uh, is affected, but that's a patch of grass surrounded by benches, and it, it really has uh, no effect <coughs> on any recreational area, especially um, those that children use. So I would say quantitatively, it's, a, it's very minute, and qualitatively, there are no recreational activities affected uh, by this shadow. Thank you. Greetings, everyone, and, and thank you so much, Owner Spo, for coming out. And I was really taken in by how you call yourself a custodian of these projects. Um, we are ready to receive your largesse. Um, I uh, made it into the paper 
that my eyebrows raised with excitement that a, uh, an investment of this magnitude is happening at this time. Again, I agree with you uh, in total destruction of the doom loop. Um, San Francisco is always a safe bet for investment as far as I'm concerned. Um, markets go up and markets go down. Um, thank you so much for your optimism here. And what a lovely story about being a child and being so smitten by this structure. Um, I, later in life now, have become quite smitten with the idea of new parks, new open spaces. So thank you and all involved with, for the new popos and for the open space, which are so dearly needed. Joe did an amazing job of talking about quantitative and qualitative. Um, I'm inclined to uh, agree and, and go forward with this, and I hope the rest of the commissioners will do the same, particularly in comparison to what happened with the other property, 530 Sansom, right? We sort of have a, a happy precedent there. Um, I also have become quite a lover of redwood trees and hope to see that area thriving and giving people an opportunity without having to go so far up the coast to see these amazing creatures. You know, they're, get in, I, I highly recommend that you get into the life of the redwood and the sequoias. Sequoias, if you can climb to the top of one, you'll see an entire new ecosystem. So thank you so much for all of this. And I don't think we have any more Rec and Park Commission commenters, but we do have planning commenters. So that would be it for Rec and Park. Okay. Thank, Thank you. I'm showing a name and I'm showing a microphone with my colleague here. Uh, I would echo the thank you to staff, all presenters, staff, the architect, and most the owner. This is a remarkable story because if you have lived long enough in the city, I happen to live up the block on Clay Street, you know this building intimately, you cherish what it offers, but you also deplore of what was missing for the many years that it was sitting there. The building is iconic in its own right, and uh, I participate in the many discussions about the pros and cons about its architectural value, which over time have disappeared. Thanks God we have indeed an iconic building that we all appreciate. Uh, it was on the ground plane where things were always a little bit questionable because the park itself never really worked. Because it was trapped, it was not open in a, ma in a manner that it was a park accessible from Washington, from Washington Street. You felt it was, can I be in there or can't I be in there? And in the most cases, I decided that I can't be in there. That was exacerbated by the bollards and the heavy hardware which kept the building becoming basically chained to its site uh, in, uh, in response to 9-11. And it was a heavy-handed response, which made the Washington site even more inaccessible than before. That particular part of the building was dominated by a um, parking entrance that led to nowhere uh, with the proper uh, 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 enforcement of parking became a barrier that made that part of the street almost unwalkable. We had a different point. Looking back, when Prop K uh, came to the voters' decision in, 18, in 80, 
four, uh, I embraced it. I was working in the Alcoa building on the 21st floor, looking west and being basically in an air-conditioned building all year. I felt that coming out into the sun was indeed a wonderful thing, including the protections that uh, uh, Prop K provided for that open space. In reality, it was never really an open space in the way that we look at open spaces. It served a great purpose for the people who work in the building mm -hmm. uh, because coming out of an uh, air-conditioned environment in a high-rise building, you want to breathe some fresh air and preferably get some come sun uh, during noon and when you go home in the evening. Mm -hmm. That said, I think uh, over the years, uh, that particular open space has never fully picked up the importance that was assigned to keep in shadow limits of that park. And I think we all regret that, but what I want to ask is, um, as we have added open spaces over the years throughout the city, Park and Rec does not have the stewardship over any of the new open spaces, given the fact that Prop K does not extend to those spaces. And if we're giving up some of the shadow budget or the sunlight budget on this particular case, can we, and I'm looking for Director Ginsburg, can we transfer, yeah, I know, he's hearing me. Uh, uh, he has heard me many times before. Um, uh, uh, can we somehow have a savings account where we take what we're given away and ultimately assign that to other open spaces, non-WAC park open spaces, in order to preserve the idea of sun in the city, which is part of the makeup and the basic DNA uh, in an environment that we're living in. We're living in a temperate climate, we're living with high winds, we don't have enough sun, and if we can find a way, and I'm putting this out as an idea, create a savings account by what we're giving up in a not-so-important open space and preserve it for others, i.e. protecting our new Redwood Park, which I think is a marvelous idea, uh, then I would be just embracing the idea of uh, reducing uh, the sunlight or increasing the shadow allocation for uh, Alcoa Park. Uh, for anybody who does not know me, I've, I've been sitting on the Planning Commission for a number of years. It's already in the two digits. Um, and Mr. Ginsburg and everybody here in Park and Rec knows my position uh, I have been in the past on all projects unwilling to uh, increase shadow budgets on public open spaces when it comes to private buildings. If it is buildings that have a social component, i.e. affordable housing or an institutional use, I have supported increases for private development, I have not. And I may uh, take a slightly different stand today, I don't know that yet, I want to really hear from Park and Rec. I want to find a way in, in, in summary, to protect sunlight on open spaces, no matter who owns them. And that is my comment. Thank you, Commissioner Moore. Commissioner Braun? Yes, um, you know, as far as the shadow impact of, um, of the project on Maritime Plaza Park, I, I do agree with those who've stated that it's a very modest impact. Um, and I would be supportive of raising the cumulative limit on the park. I, you know, I actually find this park kind of fascinating. It's a place that I've deliberately sought out to, to look at before because it is an interesting example of a very 1960s sort of approach of raising a lot of the street life off of the street itself, which unfortunately created this blank wall. But then you have this, this elevated park. But every time I've been there, 
Um, you know, it's a fairly underutilized park in the evening hours when the shadow impacts would be uh, greatest. And I can't speak, you know, it's not like I'm there all the time or anything, but, um, you know, it is a park that seems to largely function as a space that uh, as a larger daytime crowd. So that makes me feel even more comfortable with slightly the very slight increase in the shadow impact on it. Coupled with the fact that, as has been pointed out, the 530 Sansom project also already essentially is creating a very similar shadow and, and has been approved already. Um, that as far as the, um, the project itself, uh, I am very, I'll simply just defer to the comments made by uh, Commissioner Moore about you know, the, the way that space could function so much more effectively and opening it up would be a really great asset for the city. Uh, I, I like going to that Redwood Park, but at the same time, on my mental map of the city, it's kind of a, a void, a blank in that part of the city to some extent because the park is so hidden away and the, the, uh, the ground level of the Transamerica building has been, um, there's just not a lot going on historically there. Um, so it, it is a very exciting project to see the whole block kind of open up and become more active. Thank you. Commissioner Ruiz? Thank you. Um, I really appreciate Commissioner Moore's comments because I find myself torn on this particular issue. I feel like we have been put in really difficult positions where there is a shadow casted for for residents and tenants, and there's really nothing that we can do. But I do see that this shadow is very minuscule, it's very small, but also wanting to honor Prop K. Um, I frequent this area, I work in the neighborhood, and I do see that there's really not much activation of the space. It's not really frequented, in my opinion. It also has a very kind of cold aesthetic because of all of the concrete. Um, and so I do appreciate the images that were presented today. I feel like, wow, that's so exciting. It's going to open up the space. There's going to be more activation, um, more business, more people, more foot traffic, and the benefits that that could bring to areas like Chinatown and the merchants there um, or North Beach. So I do see a lot of pros to going forward with this, um, but you know, just echoing Commissioner Moore's concerns, and I really do like the idea, can we have some type of bank where we take shadow that we've lost and apply it to other areas. So I would like to hear from other commissioners from Rec and Park. Um, but yeah, I, I'm feeling like the pros sort of outweigh not upholding the standards that we've set in Prop K. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear more from other commissioners. Great. Commissioner Diamond. Thank you. Um, I'm not going to repeat all of the other um, positives uh, that were uh, articulated by the other commissioners. So for those reasons, I am in favor of this. But I want to articulate a concern that I raised in conjunction with 530 Sampson, and that is it feels like we're giving up on one maritime plaza. It is currently not a very welcoming spot. Um, but I spent 20 years working in this vicinity, used to explore it at lunchtime and after work, and it feels like a future opportunity. Um, I look at the High Line in New York, which is a spectacular raised facility, and as we think through what our downtown needs to be going forward, which is different than what it has been in the past, as articulated by the ULI work and all the staff work, it feels like one Maritime Plaza presents an opportunity 
So while I am in favor of this and will vote to support um, this, I am hoping that um, the Rec and Park Department and Commission will take a longer, and the Planning Department, a longer, you know, term look at one maritime plaza and how it could be revised, revitalized, changed its use, work with the owners in order to um, change the um, dynamic around that particular space. So thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Imperial? Thank you. Um, I would like to comment on the maritime, one maritime plaza as, cause I, as I have visited that plaza and I do agree with Commissioner Moore. Uh, Commissioner Moore and also Commissioner Diamond as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, the one maritime plaza where it's highly elevated, where it's elevated from the, um, you know, from the street, um, it is a beautiful space. It is beautiful in a way that is connected to other buildings and also connected to other part, the suburban part. If you try to do hiking, an urban hiking in the city, it's actually a nice place to do that. And I did that during the pandemic time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I can see how it can be very well utilized. And I hope that the Rec and Park will try to utilize the One Maritime Plaza, activate the space, um, because the way it is, you can see that it's built for the office spaces. And you can see that the office space at this point is mainly vacant. Um, but I think there's a way to attract residents, tourists, visitors, office workers um, in that area. Because also when you look into the one Embarcadero, that's also pretty deserted area too. And again, I'm, you know, so, um, I think we've had this kind of conversation about the downtown recovery. So it's all interconnected. Um, so as of the shadow impact on the one maritime plaza, as of now, no one's, very minuscule people are benefiting from it. And I think it can be benefited more. Um, in terms of the project, the project is beautiful. And I think it's an extension. It can be a possible extension of the business of what's happening on the North Beach area from the Chinatown. And, and really, when you go down to the North Beach area, it stops where, the, um, where Transamerica is, actually. It's like the financial district is all deserted at this point. Um, so I appreciate what the developer is trying to do to activate that area. Um, so I will support the, the shadow impact, um, but I would suggest for the Rec and Park, and also for the planning department as well, to make um, how to utilize these open spaces in the downtown area. And I would also support what Commissioner Moore is saying on how we, um, our city is now well, um, we have a mid-temperate climate and um, we also need sun in, and where we can put those kind of um, extra sunlight that we need, so yeah. Thank you. Um, I believe we've been invited as the um, Rec and Park Commission to comment on the savings account idea, which um, I love. I love this idea, and I, I see this as let's let's be aspirational about it. I wouldn't I wouldn't seek legislation at this point. Um, when I'm confronted with uh, shadow, first thing I say is, well, where is the sunlight going to be? You know. And where is the shadow going to fall? Uh, and I, I, I let that be my guide in a lot of instances, if not all of them. If it falls in an existing shadow or 
on a corner where the rubbish cans are or in a place where no one is going to sit or play, um, I might not add that contribution to the savings account because I feel like we sort of have to be practical. But yeah, if a shadow falls across a basketball court or on a playground or something like that, um, I think we should, give, we should not give that short shrift. We should give that a lot of deep thought. Um, and of course, aspirationally too is, you know, will there be development? Will builders come? What do people want to do? What can afford to happen? We have to deal with those practicalities as well. Um, but yes, uh, keeping, keeping our eyes on the goals of recreation, open space, well-being, and health, we're all for it. And thank you so much, commissioners, for reminding us to keep track. <laughs> Because this is a trackable goal, and I like that idea. So thank you. I, I hope that is a substantive comment to your lovely idea. Yeah, let me say one thing. Uh, uh, thank you for the aspirational thoughts you expressed. Ultimately, it's only trying to move the ball in a different direction. And I think trying to think about that is important. I think also it would create incentive for developers to create purpose if there would be a little bit more protection on some of them which are quite important as we look at the totality of the city, particularly the pathway finding that uh, Commissioner Imperial pointed to. Uh, so I think it is a win-win idea and we are not here to legislate, but I think we're here to inspire. Uh, and that is what I think this whole idea is all about. And thank, thank you, you for uh, giving us a positive response. Great, I don't see any other commissioners with comments or questions, but I just wanna open the floor and see if there's any other thoughts. And if not, if anyone is moved to, I think, make a motion. Do we need just one motion that each commission would consider, that entire, both commissions would consider? I would suggest each commission um, make their own motion, okay. but understanding it's a joint action. Okay, <laughs> did you wanna go? All right, uh, Rec and Park Commissioners, if you want to turn to, it's 1A, I do believe, and make sure that it's clear in your mind that we're talking about the joint motion on whether or not we're going to lift the ACL, the absolute cumulative limit for the Maritime Plaza, shadow versus sunlight on the park. Do I hear a motion in support? So moved. Do I hear a second? Second. All those in favor, let's take a roll call, roll call vote, please, sure. Ashley. On the motion, Commissioner Anderson? Aye. Commissioner Hallisey? Aye. Commissioner Jupiter-Jones? Aye. Commissioner Louie? Aye. Commissioner Wintraub? Aye. The motion passes. It is unanimous. Great, thank you. And uh, I know commissioners were thinking, I think we heard some great comments from the president of the Rec and Park Commission just regarding how she evaluates the impact of the shadow on the actual open space itself. And so while um, certainly respect principled stances, you may consider uh, adopting some of her mindset in terms of evaluating the impact of the less than 1% shadow um, addition on Maritime Plaza or uh, whatever uh, may help you to understand how to kind of thread the needle um, between our desires that we have with this project. That said, is there any comments or questions or motions? I, I make a motion to uh, raise the cumulative shadow limit uh, for the uh, project uh, in front of us. I'll second. Great. We got three seconds there. Lots of support. <laughs> Indeed. If there's no further deliberation, commissioners, there's a motion that has been seconded to raise the cumulative limit. On that motion, Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Ruiz? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Koppel? Commissioner Moore? 
Aye. And Commission President Tanner. Aye. So move, Commissioners, that motion passes unanimously, seven to zero. Uh, Rec Park, you have one more action. Given Commissioners Moore's long-stored and honorable history on this commission, this is an historic vote. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Thank you. So, Commissioners, now you're going to consider whether or not to recommend that the net new shadow um, will have a significant adverse impact on this park. Do we have any comment from our commissioners? I feel like we've kind of said it all. All right. Is there a motion and a second? I move that the shadow will not have a significant impact. Did I get it right, Ashley? Mm -hmm. The shadow does not have <laughs> does a not. significant adverse impact. Second. And we have a second. All those in favor, roll call. On the motion that the shadow does not have a significant adverse impact, Commissioner Anderson? It does not. Commissioner Hallisey? Aye. Commissioner Jupiter-Jones? Aye. Commissioner Louie? Aye. And Commissioner Wintraub? Aye. The motion passes. Thank you. We will now adjourn the Rec Park Commission. Great. Maybe we should give them five minutes. Yeah, certainly. We'll just take a little break and let you all adjourn, and we'll readjust ourselves. Thank you again for joining us this morning. Thank you. Could you so much for hosting us?
Gov, we're going to come back, and it doesn't look like you ever left us. Okay, welcome back to the uh, special joint hearing after Rec Park has now adjourned. Commissioners, uh, that leaves you with consideration on items 2A through C. Excellent. Um, so uh, as the secretary advised, we talked about the shadow first, and now if there are any comments or questions about the project itself, um, certainly that's something that we can take up now. We have the adoption of the shadow findings, the downtown project authorization, and the office development allocation. Um, and I'll just reiterate, I think, my comments, but also comments from the Rec Park Commission and that we all shared, which is, you know, it's tremendous to see the investment that's being made in downtown and in San Francisco. Um, and also to see the quality and the care with which the um, the proposed project was put together, the thoughtfulness behind um, the design, really promoting interactivity, connectivity, and really the things that I think in this commission we really pride ourselves on, um, trying to find ways to fit in, trying to find ways to add more open space, trying to find ways to activate those open spaces, not just have them exist, but to be populated with folks who are enjoying them and really bringing them to life. So it is my great hope that this project will do just that um, and I look forward uh, hopefully to seeing that happen and soon and it's great to even hear uh, you know smaller maybe not smaller but the lobby being finished or other efforts that are underway um, to really start to realize the goals of this project overall with that I want to call on Commissioner Koppel uh, thank you, President Tanner. Um, if there's nothing I'm more concerned with these days, it's revitalizing downtown. Um, we've seen a, a couple projects uh, recently uh, that have been courageous and have the wherewithal to actually make this investment in, in one of our most important parts of town. Um, we obviously have you know iconic neighborhoods like Chinatown and, and the Castro District, but the, the economic driver that downtown is, is I think far taken for granted. And thank you very much for uh, investing in our downtown. I'm, um, I've always uh, paid very close attention to the history of downtown. And I mean, you got to remember all those buildings didn't used to be there. They, they weren't there. And then the, the Alcoa building started it off and a lot of people got to work a lot of good jobs and take care of their families because they were working. These, these buildings were built by people who lived here, um, by contractors who still have their businesses here, who need the business, and this is going to be a huge investment. Thank you very much, um, and super excited to see this. It seems like sometimes we're actually constraining downtown um, with certain items we hear, and so it's just uh, super positive and hopeful for me to see someone's moving forward with uh, our downtown. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner, um, is that Commissioner Imperial? Is that you, Commissioner? Okay, Commissioner Imperial. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, I do have a question in terms of the office allocation. And it seems like this is the first project after the pandemic that utilized, um, that will have office allocation. Um, what kind of office spaces are we, um, is this project looking forward to look into? as? We all know there is, um, you know, vacancy rate in office spaces, but, you know, given the economic times, I would like to hear what kind of, you know, how does the future of office spaces going to look like? Or talking to the project sponsor about talking their sort the of project intended. sponsor. Okay. Um, yes, tell us what is in your crystal ball for office space in the future. 
Thank you again. <clears throat> so the question about what type of, of, of office, um, you know, again, just, just a little background, right? So, so Shvo um, is really focused on elevating um, super prime real estate. And we do that because I have a strong belief that, that for years, um, we didn't really, companies didn't really focus, and neither did landlords, on their office environment. It was kind of an afterthought. Um, it was cubicles. There was no real, um, no real thought process about, about the employee and, and, and the well-being of, of, of employees. It was, let's put everybody in little cubes, and, and the more cubes we can put on a square foot, it's better. And over the years, again, I know this is not in the sort of um, what you're asking, but, but people had big square foot per, per person, and, and it shrunk. And the, that was really the demise of, of what I called the healthy office. So what, we're set, what we've set to build here is kind of the office of the future, right? Um, big windows, a lot of light, a lot of air, natural air, windows that open, um, and a lot of outdoor space. Giving employees and giving companies that are occupiers here really what I would call a healthy office. And we had a conversation earlier about the Redwoods. The fascinating thing about this building, and when you see how it's positioned on the site, that you're sitting, you truly have an office within the Redwoods, because you're sitting on the third floor, fourth floor, with these big windows, and you're breathing. Um, I was there this morning. There's this amazing smell, for those of you who smell the Redwoods. It's, it's, it's such a distinct smell. And that's, that's the type of office we're building, um, which I think is very much needed. Um, there's a lot of, you know, we talk about the future of offices, a lot of office buildings that, you know, their lifespan has expired. And, and I'm sure as planners, you would agree. I was asked today about that on an interview. And I said, you know, there's some office stock that just has no, no, no shelf life anymore. It's got to go. And, and if it's not historic and, and it's not contributing and there's no value to it, it has to be renewed. And that's, that's my personal belief of what's going to happen with the office. Here we have a unique opportunity. We're taking a historic building. And, and I think very smartly, the Foster team has managed to, to, to take this building, take the bones of it, upgrade it, and, and, and surround it with, with a new building that emphasizes the historic value of it, but then brings this building into being viable you know, for the future. Uh, does that answer your question, ma'am? No, yeah, I think so. I think, um, thank you for sharing your thoughts, because that's what I'm, we're also, you know, we had this kind of conversation about the downtown recovery and you know, the, the vacant, office vacant spaces that San Francisco's in and also you know it's a part of vision of how to plan for the downtown and so for me just personally would like to know about or would like to hear what developers like you um, you know thought about office spaces what kind um, what are kind of the innovations that are happening when it comes to the offices so I just want to hear your thoughts what's going on out there in the office world um, and thank you for sharing your thoughts yeah thank you great thank you uh, Commissioner Diamond? Oh. Uh, yeah. uh, one big picture question and one detail question. Big, big picture for you. Sorry, I'm here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was a um, really interesting response as to why office. Could you do the flip side? Did you look at this site as a potential residential site? Um, and if you did, why did you make the decision that office was preferable to residential? Sure. Um, you know, the, the real estate starts when you, when you look at that viability of, a, of any project. Because we build, we build a lot of residential as well. Um, so, you know, I have a portfolio of, 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 of 
office, residential, and retail, and, and hotels. And we looked at we look at every use, and you start with with two things, right? Supply and demand, right? Where's the demand? Um, and then you look at what's the highest and best use of the actual building. Here we had a unique situation because we have an existing building. If this was a ground-up building, then in essence you could almost do anything, and then you're truly subject to supply and demand, right? Here, because we have an existing building, and if, if you've seen the building, you walk the building, it's in essence a warehouse building. It's it's has. The, um, it has a certain ceiling height, it has certain column widths, and there's very deep floor plates. That does not work from a, from a, from a design and planning perspective as a residential building. So the, you know, if that building was demolished, which it's not because it's historic, then we could build a residential building. But because we had to preserve this building, really the only use that makes sense there is an office use, well, office and retail, right? Um, and I think what we did is we really maximized um, kind of took some of the challenging aspects of the historic building and managed to maximize them with the addition to make them really attractive as opposed to just these big dark spaces. Good, mm -hmm. very, very helpful. Thank you very much for that clarification. So the smaller issue, actually I wanna start with staff, um, which is the e-bike issue. Um, um, I raised this last week, and I have the same question with respect to all of the big projects we're seeing this, this morning and this afternoon, which is how are we accounting for um, e-bike parking and charging going forward, given its rise in popularity? Um, and I'm curious how staff thinks we should be dealing with this on a you know, global basis as opposed to a one-off basis. So before I, you know, I was delighted to hear um, from the project sponsor that they're gonna, you know, address this, but I'm, before I get to that, I'm curious sort of how staff thinks about how we should be handling this going forward. No, absolutely, and thank you for the question. Um, and I think this really has prompted us to uh, take a second look at bike parking. There's obviously a lot of moving legislation right now, and so bike parking has not necessarily been front of mind. Um, but when we start looking at it, our bar bike parking regulations have now been in the planning code for well over 10 years now. Um, we have a companion piece with the what's in the planning code in our zoning administrator bulletin that really walks people through how to comply. And those regulations haven't changed since they were first adopted. Um, so they really are in the same state um, as they were when they were first adopted, which was very, I think, kind of cutting edge of the time for zoning controls to mandate bike parking being installed into buildings. Um, but I think as all, all of us know, bikes have come a long way in terms of how people in urban environments use them, use them with children, use them for commute. Um, in a hilly city, there have been, you know, e-bikes have really changed the game. Um, and so I think it really warrants us taking a second look at what our bike parking regulations are, um, you know, is the way that we, um, all of our mandates, do they still work? Both reflecting on um, the sort of the nitty gritty detail and whether those are still the right kind of details to have, but also expanding them to accommodate for those sort of newer technologies within within the bike world. Um, so we are definitely, it's part of our work program for next year. Um, we've made some changes within the zoning administrator's office um, and freed up some capacity to be able to focus on that over the next year. So in terms of that policy side, we'll definitely be working on that over the next year. Um, that may include legislative changes. Um, it likely will need to be just the way they're drafted now. Um, in terms of the other side of it, which which is the very sort of 
nuts and bolts side. Um, right now in the building code, there's not a requirement in non-habitable rooms to have electrical outlets. Um, but in conversations with the building department, um, the um, sort of my counterpart over at DBI um, is very interested in looking at um, amending the green building ordinance within San Francisco, where they do talk about bike parking from a building code perspective and really amending in requirements around, you know, ensuring there are electrical outlets in bike parking rooms so that chargers are feasible um, and making sure that that infrastructure is thought through all the way, all the way through. So those two pieces, I think, are the two companion pieces that really um, talk to this issue at a broad, broader level. So uh, I'm delighted um, and reassured to hear that um, and particularly pleased that it's on the agenda for next year. It's a 2024 item. Um, in the meantime, um, while we're waiting for that to happen, um, the project sponsor indicated that they were definitely open to and you know want to do bike parking. Can I request um, that this be handled where e-bikes are um, located within the building and how they're charged as part of the design refinement process that it's a condition you're already subject to and that I would just ask that the e-bike issue is addressed as they go through the design refinement process. Is that fine with the project sponsor? Yes? Okay, and does that make sense from a staff perspective? Yep, absolutely. Great. Um, well, I, I'd make a motion to approve then. Um, Mr. Ryan, I don't know how many motions. Yeah, I was just asking him that. Right. Um, it's entirely up to you, commissioners, how you want to take up the, there are three, there are three actions. You can take them all together in one motion, or if um, there are commissioners who may vote differently on each of the individual actions, then you can take them up separately. Well, why don't I make a motion to approve all three and see if we can handle it that way. Second. Okay. okay. I have Commissioner Koppel and then Commissioner Moore. Yeah, just to put uh, the situation in a little more context, Commissioner Moore will, will remember this, but about 13 years ago, there was a 40-story residential project proposed at 555 Washington, <laughs> um, approved uh, here and shot down by the board. So um, what are we trying to do? If we don't want residential in downtown, we should at least be put in office there. I mean, what are, I mean, are we trying to constrain downtown? Or are we trying to revive it? Which one are we doing here? Thank you. Hmm. Commissioner Moore. I'm just going to talk off the record on that one. Uh, <laughs> um, regarding e-bikes, uh, we all know that there is a national discussion about building safety because there are incidences of uh, uh, e-bikes being uh, charged and creating significant fires, not the normal kind of fire. And I think the building code will catch up when this building moves into construction and final uh, DBI approval. So I'm not concerned about that other than designating where these spaces are, which is a good idea. But I want to ask actually uh, uh, our uh, applicant another question, and that is the general uh, ability to tie <coughs> this project into the larger streetscape ideas of a part of downtown, which at this moment is basically totally quiet, and I want to call it dead, I hate to say that. Anyway, yeah. uh, you own a very large project site where you can create your internal uh, very, very, uh, viable and positive open space environment. The exterior with the bollards I referred to earlier have always kind of disrupted the continuity coming from North Beach and going down Montgomery Street into downtown. Uh, are you changing anything on that? Uh, to carry on with my question before you answer, uh, just recently there has been a remarkable effort of revitalizing Leidesdorf with uh, an outdoor summer festival 
uh, which try to really take the alleys which connect in many kind of a spider web to your site. Mm -hmm. Are you responding to that? In what way is your own external streetscape environment responding to the challenge that we all face collectively in downtown? Okay, thank you. So to answer the first question, um, let me start with the second question. Um, part of the, the when, when I was referring to what we're doing with the park, the idea was really to have the park um, activated, to have the whole, the entire block activated. And those two questions that you asked, ma'am, actually have a lot to do with each other. Um, currently, or it was currently when I bought the building, the park was sitting kind of in this, between these three buildings, and, and some of you said it's not really inviting, right? It's, it's, it feels like, like it's, it's locked in there. Um, and not only that I wanted to make sure that people come to the park, but the idea, and, and, and together with the foster team, what we managed to do is expand the park to the entire block. I agree with you, the Ballards are, are, ain't attractive, and that's an understatement, and you know, I don't know if you've been through our, our parking, the entrance of the parking, it looks like we're in, you know, communist Russia. Um, I was waiting for the, gun, the guy with the M16 to stand there when I, when I saw it first. So obviously we're changing that, that entire entrance. It's all gonna be landscape that those kind of Russian uh, um, uh, ballards there the, um, uh, ain't gonna be there. But what we're also doing in order to, to make the whole site feel inviting and not feel all the ballards there is we're expanding the landscape all the way to the sidewalk. So the entire sidewalk from all four sides is gonna have the park expand. So the trees are going all the way to the street. There's tremendous millions of dollars worth of new landscape that's being installed there, in on the sidewalk, in outside the park, around the buildings, around the pyramid, to Transamerica and three Transamerica. So there will be one holistic master plan of landscaping that will will make you feel wherever you are that it's one block as opposed to these choppy uh, um, environments. We're also activating the park from a cultural point of view, which is really important. Because we own, all the properties that I own are um, trophy assets or assets that are in really key location. Um, I'm very keen and very focused on bringing art to the public. So we have art programs unrelated to what the city's doing and what neighbors are doing that, that we promote. Um, and the park will be very much a cultural center for downtown. If it's art shows that are gonna be con continuous there, if for concerts, lectures, we want to use the park beyond the day-to-day -day use of someone coming with their kid or the grandkid to have ice cream or coming to a restaurant or just coming to enjoy the sun and see the redwood. Um, also to have, to, to have activation that very much brings people there. Right? And, and somebody mentioned to me today, um, again, in an interview that I gave this morning about the fact that it's, go, it's a tourist attraction, almost like, a, like a, as a degrading phrase. I said, tourist attraction is a fantastic thing. That means actually people from outside San Francisco are coming to see something unique that we have in the city. And we're very much working on creating that, wanting the people there, and the idea is it's for the people of San Francisco to have a place to come and for tourists to come and see what the city has to offer because it's very unique to have a Redwood Park in the middle of the city, particularly where we will have different activations so people don't just come once, but can come continuous. I'm sorry for my lengthy answer, um, Commissioner. Answer. 
perfect answer because I think the energy of your commitment to what you're doing makes it very clear that you are into this. You're not mm -hmm. kind of reading off a sheet which had somebody has t t told you what to do. I, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't read well, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, let me say that particularly the shaping of the building, how you're revealing the building to important <coughs> iconic views coming, for example, from North Beach, et cetera, cutting back that, that angle, et cetera, is extremely important and I greatly appreciate you are showing it, but also speaking to that. So I'm comfortable with your answer, and Thank please you. consider. Oh, I can't take I, I can't take credit for that. I had we hired probably the number one architect in the world, yeah, you know, Lord Norman right. Foster and his team, and and I can tell you that that we've done a few buildings with them together. The attention to detail That's is amazing. bar none, and I think this is really going to elevate the architecture of that entire site. And I appreciate. Your, your, your comments on that. She, she actually knows that I already thanked her, so when I speak to you, I'm indirectly thanking everybody, the entire team, Thank including you. our own planning staff and uh, Reichen Park staff. Um, uh, I'd just like to just leave you with the thought that when this is all done, ultimately the building in, in its totality, how it engages all blocks in the city around you is still the larger responsibility. So your mm -hmm. smaller neighbors on Leidesdorf and how you move back to the still not fully occupied downtown, mm -hmm. I think will be appreciated, and I hope that you will continue stewarding your presence in the city as a whole. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And, and you know, I'm going to leave you with one thing. You guys were talking about ma one maritime. If you guys can get the owners to sell me the building, <laughs> then, then we could do the same thing with Marin Maritime. It's been three years that I'm trying to buy that building. Okay. So if somebody here can make it happen, you know, we'll, we'll see each other again on one maritime. Uh, and if you restore it to its original structural expression, exactly. I would greatly appreciate that. It's, it's, a, it's a masterpiece. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner Moore. Did you have any further comments, Commissioner Moore? No, okay. I'm done. Thank you. Excellent. I think we have a motion for all of our approvals um, that Indeed. has been made and seconded. There is a motion that has been seconded on that motion. Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Ruiz? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Koppel? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commission President Tanner? Aye. So move, Commissioners. That motion passes unanimously seven to zero. Commissioners, that will give us about 30 minutes before. I'd like to, do, 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 do folks mind just giving ourselves a full hour for lunch and starting the hearing at 1230? We can do so that. So we can make sure we can go and come back without choking on our food, I think. I'm trying to Very good. We will, we will start the regular hearing at 1230. Okay, great. We are adjourned, Commissioner. Thank you.